You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Picking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of Christian apologetics while taking the truth into the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast. My name is Curtis Evelo, and I'm joined today by Brian Chilton. We answer your most pressing apologetic and theological questions of the day. Hello, everyone. Glad to have you all along with us today. Uh, along with me today is uh, the orderly and always knowledgeable Brian Schultz. Hello, Brian. <laughs> I like that. I, I don't know about the knowledgeable part, but I certainly don't know about the orderly part. My wife may uh, she may disagree with that. My, my home cleaning skills aren't the best in the world. <laughs> Hey, hey! Before we get started, I want to I want to just give a a quick shout out to my mom. She's always listening, and and I just want to say, love you, mom. Thanks for your support. <laughs> and what's what's so, her name? Carol. Well, hey, Miss Carol, we hope you're doing well, and we thank you so much for supporting us and listening to us here at the Bellator Christie Podcast. We may God bless you, bless you, and you certainly raised a good son in Curtis. We thank the world of Curtis. All right, so you have a you have a topic you want to cover. Um, why don't you go ahead and get us the title and get us rolling? Yeah, on this podcast today, we you know we were actually planning to go a different direction with this podcast. In fact, next week we're we're hoping to uh, to start looking at uh, some of the history of the church and how some of the theological doctrines that we we have came to be and and just right. look at the history of the church and why there's so many different denominations. Uh, right. that, that came and arose out of the history of the church, and what I hope to show, what we we hope to show through uh, uh, this, will probably be three or four parts to that podcast. Um, as we look at the history of the church, is that while the different denominations may have different practices in certain areas, the main fundamentals are the same, uh, and and the you know the, the the information from the apostles' creed that we believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth. Jesus Christ, His only Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit, uh, the universal church, and so on and so forth. So that's what we right. hope to show uh, in those podcasts. But right. unfortunately, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm totally looking forward to that one. Those those podcasts as we go through it. Um, I guess to me, um, understanding where we have some of our differences also helps us not be so divided. Um, Absolutely, and, and we can find a unifying point. Most certainly, and you know, I remember my grandmother. She's gone to be with the Lord now, but I remember she used to say that denominations are man-made things. The, the church is a, is a God-ordained uh-huh. organi- organism, really not even an organization, organism. And I think she's right. I think she's dead on the money. I think she's absolutely right on that. And so, uh, hopefully, these podcasts, when we start looking at the history of the church and the different denominations that spawned out of. Uh, the, some of the divisions that came about and things of that nature. Uh, hopefully, it'll help us to understand where we are now uh, as a church and as a people. But uh-huh. unfortunately, our plans got a little derailed because of this thing called COVID nineteen coronavirus, and uh-huh. uh, it has absolutely made people gone mad. Um, uh-huh. And so, what I would like to do this is not by any means. Uh, a scientific study, just this simple country boy's observations of of how people have responded to 
to this virus. And so um, I wrote an article on this. And after we go through these four different responses, I'd like for uh, Curtis and myself to, as we both have a pastor's heart, to, to share some scripture with you who may be listening to this podcast today to kind of calm your fears and your anxieties um, yeah. and to let you know that God's got this under control. No matter what happens, we're winners. I, I remember a guy who was at a previous church where I served. And, and and let me just start off with this. It's not what I plan to do, but I think the Spirit's leading me to do it, so we want to obey the Holy Spirit. There's a guy by the name of Ricky Smitherman who had, um, he had, uh, I think it's Parkinson's disease. And he had uh, the situation where it made him slump over, uh, and it got to the point where he couldn't breathe. So they had to go in and do a major surgery on him. It uh, it ended up being about eight to nine hours, maybe even a little longer than that. It was around eight or nine hours that it took for them to do this. They had to go in, they had to surgically implant this rod and replace or, or place these metal vertebrae down his back to straighten him up. And I remember him saying to me before he went into surgery, he said, Brian, no matter what happens, I'm a winner either way. Uh-huh. If I survive this surgery, I'm a winner because I get to spend more time with my family. But if I don't survive this, this surgery, I'm still a winner because I get to be with Christ. Well, he survived the surgery, but unfortunately he didn't survive the recovery. And so he uh-huh. did go to be with the Lord. And Curtis, I got to tell you, when I was in his um, the nursing home with him, the last thing he ever said to me wasn't even anything audible. But he pointed to a board where someone had written the words John three sixteen, uh-huh. and he pointed to that board as if it were to tell me, "Keep preaching the gospel, because that's what it's all about." Uh-huh. And no matter what comes out of this virus, that's something we all need to understand that God's got this under control, and He can yeah. use this for His glory and for His honor. And, um, but unfortunately, I think we, what I have seen is that there are four responses that people have taken with this COVID-19 virus. And I want to kind of run through this. There's, a, there's an article I posted on uh, Bellator Christie with this information. But the first I have found is the political propagandist. For this person, everything becomes political. Um, and and let, let me just lay it out there. I don't believe everything the government says. I'm I'm not a person who just just blindly accepts something if it comes out of Washington or if it comes out of our our, our Raleigh, North Carolina, or our local uh, entity. But at the same time, you know, I, I think we can become so political, which we have a politically divided nation anyhow. I mean, we have. Right. We were talking about this before the podcast even began. I mean, there's some goofy things out there now. But when we get so political, I think sometimes we take our eyes off of what's going on and then we want to automatically blame a political party for what's taking place. I mean, granted, there are a lot of political things going on. But if this virus is legitimate then it may be that no one is to blame for it, that, that it may be just something that we have to face, and, and we do a whole lot better as a nation when we come together to deal with it than we do when we're divided. And right. so that's, that's one thing I have seen, is, is, the, is people who are making a political spin 
out of everything that takes place. I mean, I've even seen people, if a hurricane hits the eastern seaboard, someone says that it's the president's fault that the that the hurricane hit, or it's a political entity. I mean, when did we elevate politicians to the level of being God? You know, that's one thing I want to know. But uh, anyhow, that's, that's a response I've seen by some people. There's also, and this one, Curtis, I have to say, is to me the most concerning the paranoid peddler. Yeah. This person is one who is given over to hysteria because they think everything is a conspiracy. They think that uh, we were talking about, you know, neither one of us are, are conspiracy theorists. Neither one of us wear tinfoil hats. Right. Um, but, and here again, it's not that I'm saying that I agree with everything the government says, but it's to a point that some people are so so great of a conspiracy theorist that if the government were to say that cream cheese is good to eat, then they would automatically think that they were trying to kill them because of uh, that they're lactose intolerant or something of that sort. I mean, right. it really gets to be absurd. And so um, that's that's one thing I've seen. I have a friend, Thomas McCuddy. He's, uh, he teaches at uh, Carolina Bible College down in Fayetteville, North Carolina. He pointed out that a lot of the logic we hear coming, especially from those who are paranoid, is is faulty on several fronts. He said the the uh, that they commit a categorical mistake, mistaking categories between shutting down something temporarily and shutting down something permanently. He also says there's a false dilemma, thinking that one has given up their faith by listening to the advice given by healthcare professionals, and a non sequitur, thinking that God will automatically promise that if we if we have church services, that, that he's not going to give us the virus. He goes on to say that unless Jesus himself comes down and promises you that you're not going to get sick, then you really can't say that you're not going to get sick. So that's another response that I'm seeing that to me is quite, is quite concerning because when people become paranoid, that leads to bad results, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you hear this, you know, like the paranoid peddler, like what you're talking about. <clears throat> this is, that's kind of the mindset or the idea that really starts the foundation for cults. Oh, and absolutely. Pulling, and pulling people away because they'll say, hey, I know a better way. I know the true way. That is a very good point. I had not thought about that, but that is a very good point. You're right, because you look at the Jim Jones, you look at the David Koresh's, you look at guys like that, and it all started from that conspiracy mindset that that uh, Big Brother's against us and that, that you know there are people watching us that uh, and things of this nature. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I heard somebody say something, you know, and it's not that I that I claim I believe in extraterrestrials or anything like that. But someone said that uh, the way people have responded, if there really are aliens, they could see why the government did cover it up because people would lose their minds if they. Yeah, that's no lie. That's that is no lie. It, I mean that right there. I totally agree with that. <laughs> I mean, and if and yeah. if there are extraterrestrials, I don't think that 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 uh, uh, you know that's not going to uh, erode my faith if there were to be, but. But if you know, I can see the the logic behind that because the way people yeah. have responded to this, that they would lose their minds if they thought that there was a little green man out there actually in a spaceship somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> yeah. 
But the third one is a hysterical hoarder. And, and here again, this one, to me, Curtis, I have to say this response has been the most disappointing. Um, because it, I, you know, I knew people in America today were, and when I say people, I'm talking about in generalities. Obviously, not every. This isn't including everyone. But I knew that there were some selfish people in America today. But I didn't realize just how selfish right. until this thing broke loose. Right. And I still cannot, in my wildest imagination, understand why toilet paper is the thing that's selling out whenever the COVID-19 is a respiratory disease. I mean, you would think Kleenex would be the thing that would be selling out, not toilet paper. Uh-huh. It makes no sense. And we were actually met with this um, firsthand. Well, let me first of all say my parents grew up in a time where they didn't have indoor bathrooms. They had outhouses. And as my dad said, there are other ways to take care of your business than toilet paper. Just don't. Just make sure it's not poison oak you're using. That makes for a very bad day, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, you know there are other ways to take care of your business there. But my mom, my mom, uh, she she came in across an instance that happened just this past week. We live in a small town here in North Carolina. She went to the she went to the grocery store and she wasn't hoarding up anything. She actually needed some additional toilet paper. And she's five foot tall. You know, I'm five foot seven. I get my height from her. She's five mm-hmm. foot tall. She's reaching up. Now, she's had back surgery, so she's not very mobile. But she's reaching up, trying to reach two rolls of toilet paper. And there's this young, tall punk who comes up. She thinks initially that the guy's going to come help her. He comes and runs and grabs the toilet paper and runs off before she can ever even reach it. That's where we've gotten as a society. I'm surprised she didn't run them down with the cart. <laughs> well, I had a feeling if someone else had been there, they probably would have. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, you know, you kind of you hear all these stories and you see this going on, and it really brings to to the truth of the matter. It really brings uh, it into your heart how true God's word is. How 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 God's word describes human nature of who we are. Absolutely. You know, and how we need to be renewed in Christ to actually have this idea that that we're not just out one for all, all for one, you know? Well, and, and you're absolutely right. And I think that the more our nation turns away from Christ, the worse things like this are going to get. Because, you know, in First John, uh, John the Apostle tells the tells his church, uh, he's on up in years, and he tells them, he said, you know, uh, the one who says that they know God but doesn't love is a liar because God is love. Right. And so what he's essentially saying is that our ability to love comes from our love for God and God's love for us because if it weren't for God, we would not know what love was to begin with. Sure. So it only stands to reason that the more we as a uh, as a nature nation and a culture turn away from Christ, the more selfish we're going to become. And I think I think we're seeing this this play out before our very eyes. COVID nineteen yeah. just surfaced what was already there. Um, 
quite honestly. And but then the last response is one that I have to say that, that this is a good response. There's the rational responder. The first three responses have been negative, but but I find hope with the last one. I've seen many individuals, many Christian individuals, who have responded with reason and who have responded with love. They have looked to see how they can minister to people during this time. And and I really believe it's going to be because of these individuals that perhaps more souls will come to know Christ. Um, Many of the rational responders are even looking for ways that they can help individuals and um you know those who are seniors who maybe can't get out and uh, and 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 go to the grocery store you know they're they're looking out for them and you know one of the things and I think this may be something that would be good to have a podcast on as well I, I have a friend of mine who works with the state Baptist State Convention in North Carolina his name's Russ Reeves and he mentioned something that that we have what what this thing has also encountered or made us face is the question of what is the church or who is the church uh-huh. is the church a building or is the church a people is it an organization or is it an organism so our ecclesiology our theology of the church is is really brought to the forefront where we're asking ourselves these questions what does it mean to be the church what does it mean to be the hands and body of Christ? Right. Um, and Curtis, I got to tell you that no matter whether whether we have church buildings or not, the church is going to live on until Christ returns. Oh, absolutely. There's yeah. always going to be a remnant of His people. There's always going to be a church. Now we may not have fancy buildings, and we may not have paid positions. And, and being a full time pastor, I realize what that means. But uh, we may not have paid positions. We may not have these things. But the church will live on no matter what happens. And that's something we've got to realize. Right. And so, you know, through this, I don't mean to poke fun at anybody. I mean, I don't mean and intend that to be. But I go back to what the, go back to the words of a late Norman Geisler who said on a podcast one time before. I've never forgotten this. He said, a clear mind and a pure heart are dangerous to the devil. A, a clear mind, thinking logically, thinking correctly, th- thinking clearly over issues, and not allowing emotionalism and hysteria to guide our thinking, but thinking clearly and logically on issues, and having a pure heart, truly desiring to serve the Lord, these things are dangerous to the devil. And the problem is, is, is I think that um, I think there are a lot of people who are truly wanting to serve the Lord, but I think that when things happen. We lose our sensibility. We lose our rationality. And because of that, I think that we are, uh, to be honest, we, we go down some bad paths as a people and as a nation when we don't yeah. think think that, think that way. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, um, and I, I, I kind of want to touch on that with your rational responder. And as we kind of maybe think about this, maybe this is time when, when, uh, we have a have a have an opportunity as rational responders because the casinos are shut down because the sporting events are shut shut down because the bars are shut down because of the 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 concerts and those things are shut down and in all of these things where people go to uh, 
maybe escape um, their reality or maybe they go to um, just uh, soften the blow of who they really are and what they are. Maybe this is an opportunity that, that they get to see what the law and the gospel really is and to understand this. And we have an opportunity as rational responders to actually go and actually speak that into those people, allowing that to really settle in. And they have they don't have a distraction pulling them away. They don't have something uh, as we speak the gospel to them or we talk about what's really going on, what's really happening here. And we have a time to be able to minister to those people. They actually have the ability now to actually think about it. I had a thought that that kind of crossed my mind the other day was in this in this uh hysteria here i I really wonder how many how many bibles are being bought oh that's a good question how many how many times are people actually searching out on the internet you know god or jesus you know the cross i would like to know that i would like to see what's really going on because I have a really good suspicion that as people are pulled away from their idols, sports, you know, all of those things like we talked about, now they have to face who they really are. Now they have a time when they can reflect on how they may have been distracted from their family, from their responsibility, from their friends, from the church, from the people that they love. And I think this might be an opportunity for us as as responders to speak that life in. I think that's a very wise and compelling point because God God allowed this, no matter where this may have come from or no matter what may have happened to bring this about, God allowed this to take place. And, and that's a great point because we live in a very busy society where we're inundated with a lot of noise, we're inundated with a lot of... Uh, uh, stuff, a lot of idols, as you mentioned. And, and I, I heard, um, if, if, if we're so distracted by these things that we that it takes the place of the things that really matter. I heard someone say the other day that for the first time in, since they remember that healthcare professionals and teachers are now more important than entertainers and athletes. Sure. Because... <laughs> But, I mean, because we realized the, 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 the industries, the jobs that really matter, the truck drivers, the cattle ranchers, the individuals who are making, in, in making um, providing food and providing supplies for America, we realize how important those people are now. And I think that's a great point. Maybe God allowed some of this to take place to kind of quieten us down to make us contemplate and think about the things that really do matter. Yeah, they... Uh what you could call is a, maybe a maybe a, a moral reset. You know, Absolutely, a, a time a time to see um, where we're where we are with our lives. I mean, because um, you hear about a lot of people's testimonies. Um, you know, it took some big great event or big some sort of um, shocking event that made them turn back to Christ. I mean, I'm one of them, and and to hear. Um, this going on where things are shut down where people are actually having to stay home and and maybe even having to cook some home-cooked meals and having to sit at a table with their with their loved ones and actually spark a conversation maybe 
that that's the kind of stuff that's working on internally in our hearts that then we start having that connection slowing down and we're able to see the beauty within this amen amen yeah well as we look at this we know we were thinking of some passages of scripture to share because we want to leave a word of encouragement with everyone out there to because there are some people who are really anxious who are really panicking and, and mm-hmm. we were talking about this before and i'd like to look at uh maybe we take turns as we look at some different passages of scripture one passage of scripture that came to my mind was in the book of genesis chapter 50 uh joseph joseph went through an ordeal to say the mm-hmm. least i mean he was right. left for dead by his brothers he was sold into slavery uh he was jailed for a crime he didn't commit left in jail forgotten for for several years and then elevated, eventually elevated. I mean, during this time, you know he had to be having some doubts and asking himself, God, why are you allowing this to happen? But at the end, God elevated him elevated him to a high position. And when his brothers come, and the great ironic twist, I mean, God has a sense of humor, quite honestly. There's an ironic twist that the brothers come to Egypt to... Um, to, 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 because there was a great famine that took place. But then they see their brother and they realize, hey, this guy's alive and hey, look now where he is now, my goodness. But Joseph, when he's speaking to his brothers, he says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now, one, that shows us that Joseph was an incredible man. Incredible yeah. indeed. But two, the amazing thing is, God may allow certain things like the coronavirus to come yeah. about, to rattle our cages, as you, as you eloquently put earlier, to bring us to quiet our minds and put us back to where we need to be as a people, to hit that moral reset button. God's got something good. I, I see God up to something big through this. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe there's another great awakening on the verge of taking place. I don't know. Right. But whatever the case is, God has something great. He's going to bring through even the worst of of this of the situations that we face. So what may seem to be evil, God and His sovereignty is able to make something good come out of it. Right. Yeah, and you look at. <clears throat> Joseph says that in that scripture, he says, um, you meant it for evil. But but think back about what was it that drove his brothers to him? What, what was it that drove his brothers to their salvation, to their help? It was the famine. The famine, it that's was, right. It was the destruction of, of what they knew. I mean, and, and that's what drove them. You know, absolutely, and then you know, and even the word I, I was thinking too about the the word that God gave Joseph. Now Joseph didn't handle this very well because God showed Joseph that he was going to give him a great place even above his brothers, and he goes <laughs> bragging to his brothers, "Hey, look, God's going to give me a great place." That probably wasn't the best thing Joseph could have done. Probably not. <laughs> but but even still, allowing this stuff to happen to Joseph as it did enabled him to be the person he came to be later on in life. Right. God elevated him to a high status. 
And as you said, the famine is what brought the brothers to Egypt and eventually brought something good. Now, somebody will say, well, didn't that eventually lead to the enslavement of the people? It did. But even then, God made something good come out of that because through raising up a leader like Moses, he was able to create a people, create the law, and to show people in Egypt who the true God really was. It wasn't their man-made idols. It was Yahweh himself, uh, the creator of everything. So even then, there's something good that comes out of even the worst of circumstances. Powerful. So, Curtis, what scripture do you have for us? Well, you know, I was I was kind of pondering some of this, and and I just want to remind people, take some time here to remind people of Jesus's actual words here um, in John ten ten, and I'll read on a little ways. It says, "The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life, and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his people." He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them up and scatters them. He flees because he is hired. He is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Mm. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I just want to encourage people in the in that this was all forethought. Mm. This this all knowing an all knowing God came at the perfect time, at the perfect place to be able to say the perfect words for us to be able to take in two thousand plus years later. Amen. Right there. Yeah. You, you know, Curtis, we had an opportunity, and I, and I would encourage you, everyone, if when you get a chance. Because I know everything's going crazy right now. My wife and I had a date night um, last last Friday before everything became chaotic. Went to the movie theater to see that uh, the new Christian movie that came out about Jeremy Camp and his uh, first wife Melissa Camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I still believe. Yeah. And it's a it's a compelling story. I never knew the story about Jeremy Camp and that's a that's a crazy one. Wow. Yeah. I mean, wow. It, I heard uh, um, one of the. Um, one of his friends, um, it was days later after his, his wife died, and they had only been married a few days or a few months. Um, but after his wife died, he was down in his music studio, and he had this just this, um, just this growling, deep, passionate voice that was singing this just powerful song and was just and and was just singing it and singing it to the lord but he was playing it to music and it then later became uh one of his songs absolutely yeah absolutely i still believe and that that was the song that he wrote after all that took place but one of the things that stood out to me was the was one of the words that melissa uh camp had said to jeremy as they were dating they they were at this um I can't remember what you call them, but it's where you look at the stars at night. Uh, not a planetarium, or maybe it is a planet. I, I don't know what you call it. Whatever it is. But they're they're lying down and they're looking at the stars. And she said, she's talking about the different stars in the sky, the different galaxies. She said, you know, the Milky Way galaxy, our own galaxy has like something like 30 billion stars in it. She said the, the, the Andromeda galaxy, which is the closest galaxy to us, 
It has over a trillion. And she says, just to think about this, that the same God that named every star and knows every star in all the galaxies knows my name. Mm. Yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. And, and um, I totally understand what she's saying because there's times when I go out in the early morning or I'm out at night and the stars in the, in the big sky, in the Mount Montana sky, there's no lights around. Mm. You can, you look out there and it's just, you get overwhelmed, overwhelmed to the point that you, you, you just, you gasp for air because you just, you look around and you see this and you're like, God, so great and so vast are you, but yet you care about me. Mm. Why? You know, and and I can relate to what she says. I'm gonna get out there one of these days, man. I'll tell you what, you got. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting Montana Montana itis here. <laughs> but it is yeah. so amazing to think that the God who made this vast universe knows yeah. each and every one of us by name. And the the passage of scripture you just read that that the shepherd knows me. He knows each and every one of us. So if we have a God like that who's on our side, what really do we have to fear? Right. Exactly. Yes. Well, there's yep. another passage of Scripture, you know, that, that kind of goes along with that in the book of Job uh, that I was looking oh. at. And, and you know, Job, he's he's wondering why, you know, all these things are, are taking place. And, and, and it's really not a particular passage of Scripture, but really a section, chapter 40. You know, he, he so he's saying to the Lord, Lord... You know, you need to come and justify yourself. I, you need, I need to put you on trial and say, you know, you, you're, you're evil. You're bad for doing this. You shouldn't have done this to me, making me lose my house and home and all this right. stuff. Then the Lord comes to Job, to Job in a whirlwind, and he said, he basically says, uh, he says, uh, well, he says in verse two, will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who mm-hmm. argues with God give an answer. And then Job says, I'm too, so insignificant. How can I answer you? And then he says in verse 7, get ready to answer me like a man. He says, you ask for this, man up. That's what he's basically saying. Uh, and so he asks him all these questions. Were you there in the beginning when I created the heavens and the earth? Were you there when I made all of these different things? Um, and so... He's, he, he, were you there when I made the Leviathan and the Behemoth? Uh, can you you can't quiet them, but they all serve a purpose. Uh-huh. And then at the end, Job replies to the Lord, "I know that you can do anything, and that no plan of yours can be thwarted." You asked, "Who is this who can who conceals my counsel with ignorance?" Surely I spoke about things I did not understand, things too wondrous for me to know. You said, "Listen to me now, and I will speak." When I question you, you will inform me. I had heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I reject my words, and I'm sorry for them. I am but dust and ashes. Basically, what God shows. And in the book of Job, the, the, the thing that, that bothers some people about the book of Job is they want a concrete answer as to why God allowed these right. different things to take place. He doesn't give a response to that. No. But what he, he, just, he responds back with, with, who am I? Exactly. Yeah. And so it's almost as if he's saying to Job, even if I gave you an answer, you don't understand the complexities of the universe. You don't understand timelessness and eternity. So even if I were to explain these things to you, it wouldn't make sense because you don't have that infinite knowledge 
that I do. Yeah. So in the end, what God basically tells Job is something very difficult for us to hear. He just says to him, trust me. I've got this under control. I know what I'm doing. Right, and he even, even goes in there and talks about, and I can't remember the name of it right now, but you have to forgive me on that, but he talks about a planet that is a is a rogue planet, it's just flying all over the place, and and uh, and scientists have found it just just randomly going all over, and in God states, I've got that in my hand, I've got that <laughs> under control. I wonder if this is it the constellation Orion or Pleiades, or there's one of I can't remember what it is, but it's yeah. uh, or like or you say Orion. maybe a planet or something like that. I, yeah, it's a it's a yeah it's a star or a planet, yeah. So um, I have three that kind of go together, and I kind of wanted to just read through them, and then we'll kind of touch on it and ponder it, because because to me, these are really insightful. Really, um, they, they bring a lot of peace and a lot of calm to us. Um, the first one is 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, I mean, I'm reading in the New King James on this one, um, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, Amen. but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Mm. And there's there's your Norman Geisler um, <laughs> point, you know. Um, and then the the second one is uh, Romans eight uh, through fi- eight fifteen. And uh, I'm reading New King James again in this. Uh, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Mm. And then the next is uh, Romans 10, uh, 14 through 15. It says, and listen to this, because this when you put these together and you start thinking about this, pondering it, it says, How then shall we call on him in whom they have they have not believed and how shall they believe in him who they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher Mm. and how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring who bring glad tidings and good things and there's there's a common thread through here is the peace Amen. The peace that we know God, the peace that we have a, a a father that loves us and cares for us. And our job is to preach the gospel. It says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. And that's Amen. what the world needs right now, is that word. Most certainly. You know, and... It, it's 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 amazing to me. I I, I don't know if I, I mentioned this earlier on the podcast or not. I think we may have mentioned it in in the prayer earlier. In in our area, we, we were um, due, due to restrictions and things of this nature. We we had to uh, cancel having live you know in person services, but we had vir- we have virtual services where we're airing the uh, services online. And Curtis, even with that, even though what we had rather be together in person. The amazing thing is that God is even using this for his honor and for his glory. The first service we had was last Sunday. And and, and I haven't even checked the numbers here recently. But by Monday, by Monday, we checked the numbers of how many views we'd had. 
and it was already upwards of 530. Now we have oh, about man. we have about 150, 200, maybe 250, around 150, 200 people here at Westfield Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. We had reached 530. Wow. I mean, that to me is amazing, and I don't even know what the number is now. It may be far more than that. But one of our members had said he had uh, he had mentioned he said what a delight to go online and see so many messages and so many services online uh, that uh, that people are posting all over the place. Now, it's an amazing thing to me. I think God is going to be able to use this. Of course, He can do oh, yeah. anything. But it may be through all of these services, all of these different things that He has going on, yeah. that someone's life is touched in a way that wouldn't have if He hadn't allowed this thing to go about. Yeah, absolutely. And that that goes back to what I was saying earlier, exactly what, what was what you're saying and what that fellow said. It's it it's this time when people now are aware of their frailty. Mm. They're aware how fragile life is. James says our life is but a vapor. How fragile that is, you know? And, and we and we understand that and we see that and, and what can we find in encouragement? They're going to be Googling. They're going to be looking, um, you know, the podcasts or the or the uh, uh, live streams are going to be be live, mm-hmm. you know, and they're going to be being watched. And I think it, you're right. God's going to use this in many, many ways. Touch people that may not have even given it a second chance, right, or second thought um, until now. Absolutely. Most certainly. Yep. So another one I had was uh, First um, Peter one thirteen through sixteen, and it kind of goes along with your um, with your with your four uh, responses, you know, to it. Um, it says here, uh, therefore, gird up your loins of your mind, be sober. And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, mm. but as in, as, as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Amen. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And I think that's important to understand. We serve a holy, mighty God. And we are, we are his priests. We are his holy nation. We are his. We, in there, he calls it. We are. We are his peculiar people. <laughs> you know. Yeah, we're the weird ones. You know. <laughs> it's okay to be weirdos for Jesus, though, isn't it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it. There's some powerful things there, I think, um, and they create some good discussions. Um, and I really kind of, I'm curious on what, um, what people think of this, you know, um, send us some, some feedback. I'd really, really kind of be, uh, interested in, in hearing and, and having some dialogue with some people on this, because, um, if, if we have a chance to pray for people, if we have a chance to, uh, um, uh, just encourage people, we would love to be able to do that. Um, there's many on the on the task of uh, at Bellator Christi, and we can we can answer those questions, answer the questions that people have, and and be here to uh, support and minister 
uh, as time goes on. Amen. Absolutely. So as we close out, I, I do, I would like you to read uh, Mark uh, twelve thirty uh, through thirty one, and and let's examine that, and then we'll be uh, we'll be closing out here. So you say Mark twelve verses uh, 20, yeah. 29 through thirty. Thirty through thirty one or twenty nine through thirty one, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so the the backdrop of this is uh, the scribes approached Jesus, heard him debating, and saw Jesus was answering them well, and he asked them which command is the most important of all. And it's an interesting thing in this passage of scripture because Jesus not only gives one commandment, he gives two. He said the most important is the sh- the Shema. You know, Shema is uh, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Mm. And then he goes on to say the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. And you know the amazing thing about that is is what we were mentioning with uh, with First John. In the New Testament, we see love almost as in the shape of a cross, the vertical uh, our relationship with Christ. It impacts our horizontal our relationship with one another, and yeah. this love we have for God and the love that He instills within our lives actually impacts how we treat one another and how we relate to one another, which, as we were mentioning at the, in the earlier in the podcast, which may also show the reverse, that the less our relationship is right with God, the less love we're going to show to one another. Right. Um, you know, it's like what John says in First John. He says, you know, how can you say that you love God whom you haven't seen and hate your neighbor whom you have seen? So he's operating off the basis that our love for God and God's love for us is going to transform the love that we have for other people and other individuals. So the love for God is number one, and love for neighbor is right there stemming out of, flowing out of the love that we have for God. It's really a fascinating thing that Jesus does with with the two great commandments. Right. Right. Yeah, and, and uh, I think that I think it's important... Um, that we understand that um, in this time is the time when we can show the most uh, compassion. Um, We don't want to be ignorant. We don't want to be running into a situation. We want to use our smarts. And, um, you know, it tells tells us in the scriptures to be, uh, you know, wise as serpents, but be gentle as doves. Amen. And, and um, I heard one a pastor once call it. He says uh, we're, we're called to be snake birds. Uh, so, uh, but, I like that. <laughs> yeah, but but what 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 that is is we're wise. We don't go in where we know there's imminent danger unless we've counted the cost, Amen. unless we know the cost, and we're willing to do that. And I think by being as gentle and as, and as loving as doves. Um, we're, we're the place that people come to. We have an opportunity as Christians right now, and as, and as lovers of Jesus and as lovers of, of Yahweh, we, can, we have the opportunity to, to actually be the light 
to, we have a chance to be the salt that we're called to be. Amen. In these kind of times, we have the we have the wisdom. The even if you've read through the Bible once, or you just opened the Bible and you started speaking Scripture or reading Scripture, or if you just came to Christ, you have the Spirit inside you. You have the ability to speak life into somebody. Share your testimony. Share the joy. Share the love. Share the words. That's what we're called to do. And you know, you know, Curtis, I'll share something with you that uh, the Lord spoke to my heart one time when I was going through a, a dark time in my life. Uh, he said to me that in my he said to me to my heart, the light shines the br- brightest in the greatest of darkness. And, and if you really stop to think about that, that makes sense because when we go through dark times, people are going to see the light more than what they would when 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 things aren't so bad. Right. Could that be what Jesus was saying, that we're a light set upon a hill? I, I think that's exactly what he's saying, in my opinion. I, I really I agree. do. I, I think that's what he's saying. I agree. Yeah. Well, we at Bellator Christie want to thank you for spending time, uh, your time with us, um, and we value it. Um, our prayer is that this podcast helps stretch your mind and as a place to strengthen your faith, faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and as a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie podcast. And until next time, Brian and I say, soldier on, friends. It's my privilege to announce to you that the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is now available on Kindle. So you can get the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics in all formats now. It's available on Kindle, as well as paperback, hardcover, and you can also find it on the Nook at BarnesandNoble.com. So please go and order your copy today and share it, or maybe you'd like to share it with a friend. Whatever the case may be, help us as we get the word out and let people know that we have a faith worth believing in. Did you know that you can help the Bellator Christian Ministries by simply leaving a review? If you are enjoying this podcast, help us out by leaving a positive review on the app where this podcast is found. This helps increase the exposure of the podcast and helps others find it more easily. If you enjoy this podcast, leave a review. If not, send me an email. Either way, we want to thank you for supporting BellatorChristie.com and the Bellator Christie Podcast.